RTI International's Justice Practice Area presents Just Science. Welcome to Just Science, a podcast for justice professionals and anyone interested in learning more about forensic science, innovative technology, current research, and actionable strategies to improve the criminal justice system. In Episode 2 of our Human Trafficking Policy and Research Analyses Project mini-season, Just Science sat down with Samantha Charm, Christina Melander, Lauren Vollinger, and Brianna D'Arcangelo, research public health analysts at RTI International, to discuss a project which focuses on economic empowerment for those who have experienced human trafficking as part of the larger Human Trafficking Policy and Research Analyses Project. For those who have experienced human trafficking, economic or financial consequences are often inextricably linked to their trafficking experience and may leave those people without skills, resources, or social capital to meet their needs in the community. As part of the Human Trafficking Policy and Research Analyses Project, researchers are developing a guide to help service providers understand fundamentals and important considerations for implementing economic empowerment programs for people who have experienced human trafficking, including programming related to financial education, financial abuse, and supporting employment. Listen along as Samantha, Christina, Lauren, and Brianna describe promising practices related to economic empowerment programming for people who have experienced human trafficking, the experience of incorporating trauma-informed practices in human trafficking research, and recommendations for other researchers interested in this work. This episode is funded by the Human Trafficking Policy and Research Analyses Project. Some content in this podcast may be considered sensitive and may evoke emotional responses or may not be appropriate for younger audiences. Here's your host, Rebecca Pfeffer. Hello, and welcome to Just Science. I'm your host, Rebecca Pfeffer. On today's episode, we will discuss a study that is part of the Human Trafficking Policy and Research Analyses Project, focused on identifying strategies to support economic empowerment for those who have experienced human trafficking. Here to discuss this are Samantha Charm, Christina Melander, Lauren Vollinger, and Brianna D'Arcangelo. Welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thanks for having us. Let's start by having you introduce yourselves. Who are you and what do you do? Let's start with Sam. Hi, I'm Samantha Charm. I'm a public health analyst in RTI's justice practice area, along with the rest of this research team. My current work focuses on understanding ways to identify and address human trafficking, particularly among youth. I lead this project, and I'm also the associate project director for the Human Trafficking Policy and Research Analysis Project. Christina, tell us about you. Hi, I'm Christina Melander. I am a research public health analyst at RTI, and my work focuses on participatory and community-engaged action research methods, particularly in relationship to human trafficking, uh, sexual violence, and gender-based violence. Thanks, Christina. Lauren, tell us about yourself. Hi there. I'm Dr. Lauren Bollinger. I'm a community psychologist And I focus on trauma-informed research and evaluation with a particular focus on economic abuse, coerced debt, and help-seeking behaviors of survivors. And finally, Brianna. Hello, my name is Brianna D'Arcangelo. I support projects throughout the justice practice area focused on human trafficking, victim services, and racial equity. What a great group. We can't wait to learn from you today. Let's start with the basics. What is economic empowerment? What do you even mean when you use that term? So we define economic empowerment as the transformative process to gain independence, stability, skills, and advancement in all areas related to one's economic well-being. Economic empowerment is the result of financial stability, financial literacy, and professional development. 
This programming works to assist marginalized groups, such as human trafficking survivors, with obtaining access to a reasonable and sustainable standard of living by strengthening skills, resources, and the competence to financially support themselves and their families, both in the short term and the long term. While the desired outcomes of survivor well-being for economic empowerment programs are consistent, the process and key components to successful programming are not yet fully known. Can you talk a little bit about the purpose of this project? Why is economic empowerment important for people who have experienced human trafficking? Yeah, so the purpose of the project is to create a resource for service providers assessing the anti-trafficking field's promising practices related to economic opportunity and using or adapting those practices that have been implemented to increase economic empowerment in populations with similar economic challenges. At its core, human trafficking is a crime that's inextricably tied to economic victimization and leaves victims with negative economic effects that must be addressed. Economic instability is a factor that puts individuals at risk for being victimized, exploited, and even trafficked by putting them in vulnerable situations, such as accepting unsafe employment opportunities or staying with or returning to an abusive relationship just to meet their basic needs. At the same time, economic instability can be exacerbated by traffickers, leaving victims economically unstable for years to come. For example, traffickers may ruin a victim's credit history by jointly taking out loans or putting bills solely in a victim's name and then interfering with their ability to make timely payments. The physical and psychological isolation that's inherent in many trafficking situations prohibits many victims from acquiring job skills and often forces them to spend extended amounts of time out of the legal workforce. Thus, a key element to recovery from human trafficking involves the economic empowerment of survivors, ensuring that they have the skills, resources, and social capital that they need to not only meet their basic needs, but also to thrive as integrated community members. Wow, this is such an important issue, but also such a big issue. How do you focus this project? I mean, what specifically are you hoping to learn or give back to the community? And what methods are you using to learn more about this issue? What we're doing is engaging in a series of activities that will inform a guide for community-based service providers that can help them understand the fundamentals of economic empowerment and to provide recommendations for creating or further developing programming that supports the economic empowerment of people who have experienced trafficking. This work is informed by several activities. First, we held several listening sessions. We held sessions with people who have experienced human trafficking that have also participated in economic empowerment programming. We wanted to learn about their experiences with the service program and their thoughts on what worked well and what did not. We also held similar sessions with systems professionals who are working on economic empowerment programming with survivors of trafficking or other related populations. Our federal clients were also included in these sessions so they could hear directly from those with direct experience with this type of programming, either as a provider or as a participant. Second, we conducted an environmental scan to identify economic empowerment programs in the United States that are serving people who have experienced human trafficking, as well as other adjacent populations, such as survivors of domestic violence or intimate partner violence, formerly incarcerated persons, unhoused persons, immigrants, or refugees. As part of that scan, we conducted a literature review, internet searches, and targeted requests for program information. I'd also love to talk a little bit about the approach that we used for this work. So we used a participatory approach as really a guiding principle for this project. 
And that means that the subjects of the research are also involved as research partners in that process of gathering, um, like generating data and analyzing it, and that their knowledge and capacities are respected and valued. So as such, the systems professionals and the people who have experienced trafficking were included not only in the listening sessions, but also in a series of what we're calling meaning-making sessions, these workshops uh, that we held after data collection was completed, in which we reviewed the data and the findings all together as a group to help analyze, provide some reflection around what they mean, and also discuss some of the potential conclusions, recommendations, or next steps that service providers could take based on these findings. And so we hope that this community-engaged participatory process really strengthens the conclusions and the impact from this work that we're doing, making the guide and other dissemination products that we develop useful for the audience and really creating transparency with the people who participated in the data collection, um, making sure that the results get back to them as well. I'm really interested in how you looked at how this issue applies to multiple populations. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and how economic empowerment programming can be specialized for people who've experienced human trafficking? Yeah, absolutely. In our environmental scan, what we found is that one of the most common approaches across fields that we identified for economic empowerment is financial literacy, skill, and education programs. However, a key aspect of this type of financial education, specifically for those who've experienced trafficking, which can be distinct from some other populations, is having education and training components that address the impact of economic abuse and trauma that those participants might have experienced. As Lauren mentioned earlier, money is often used as a weapon against individuals who've experienced trafficking, keeping them dependent on their trafficker or living in fear of poverty. And so this is economic or financial abuse. And it's important that economic empowerment programs help participants understand that abuse and center helping them establish control and rebuilding of their finances. That way, survivors are better able to recover from financial harms caused by their traffickers. Thanks for that explanation. I think it would be helpful to understand a little bit more about financial abuse and its impact on people who've experienced human trafficking. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So economic or financial abuse is a deliberate pattern of control in which individuals, or in some cases, organizations or systems, interfere with an individual's ability to acquire, use, or maintain economic resources. And as a result of that, some people who experience this type of abuse have a trauma response to that like cumulative harming of their wealth-building capacity and to their relationship to money. And this type of trauma can affect the brain, how a person acts, and how they react in specific situations. So how can trauma impact a person's ability to engage in the workforce? Why is it important to think about a trauma-informed approach? In our listening sessions that we held, a thing that we heard about involved instances where program participants experienced trauma in either an educational, job training, or workplace setting it was all related to past exploitation. 
So this trauma response can manifest in behaviors that are challenging for both the employee, but also for the employer. An employee or program participant might seem unreliable, incompetent, or difficult to work with, and might not seem invested in the program or the job at all. Um, Examples can include tardiness, absenteeism due to a lack of sleep or physical or mental health problems, or they might have poor interview skills due to a traumatic power dynamic that they're experiencing with their employer that is similar to ones that they've had with traffickers or abusers, such as fear of making eye contact or being assertive. Additionally, interactions that are related to money, including discussions of contracts, compensation, or payment processes, can trigger a trauma response, resulting in the person experiencing strong emotions that are really challenging to manage in the workplace. That seems like it could be a really big impediment to job stability. Have you learned about any strategies to address these types of problems? Yeah, several economic empowerment programs that we identified are doing bi-directional education, meaning both helping survivors understand their trauma and build coping strategies for stressors in the workplace, as well as training potential employers on how to build a trauma-informed work environment and work systems. Since our project team includes experts who have experienced trafficking, we can also confirm that how important it is that the work on the employer side is in order to maintain that type of transparency. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? It sounds like you're saying that you also needed to address trauma in how you approach this project. How did that work? We absolutely had to address trauma and how we approach this project. At RTI, we have a lot of experience working on trauma-informed data collection approaches. That can be things like having a distress protocol in place to ensure that For example, if the study participation is upsetting or brings up strong emotions, we have a plan in place to ensure that the participants are connected with resources. On this project, we also have survivor advocates that are part of our research team and part of all of our discussions. So those individuals are available to speak individually with a project participant who might experience re-traumatization or simply need a break or to talk. Another strategy we often use after holding listening sessions with people who have lived experience of trafficking is to hold a debriefing session afterwards as a way to reflect and help prepare to transition back to our individual lives and out of that shared space. And really all projects, not just the ones that are related to economic empowerment, it's important to compensate participants at a competitive rate. And that's something that we do in our work. So we compensate those who have lived experience expertise and a professional expertise at the same consulting rate. We're also continuing to learn more about the best ways to engage people with lived experience in our work as well, something we're always growing and learning more about. We have definitely learned some lessons along the way. Tell us more about that. What have you learned, if you can be a little more specific? Absolutely. So we learned an important lesson in this study that even when your intentions are to be trauma-informed, it's really important that you understand and really assess the whole financial system and where it might create barriers for your experts with lived experience. Based on feedback we've received from participants in past work about the limitations of gift cards to pay bills or other critical expenses they might have, We really wanted to compensate our participants in a way that would give them more flexibility in how they can use their funds. But just before our project began, RTI changed its payment protocols, and our team didn't fully understand the implications of those changes. 
the new expert compensation process asks experts to go in and set themselves up through an electronic system. It typically requires direct deposit for cash payment, and there's a time delay between when an expert provides services and when they receive their compensation. This is similar to processes that I've done on projects in the past. And while this process works smoothly for some more traditional experts and consultants, for me, when I'm a consultant, it's really important to consider who it might create barriers for or exclude entirely. For example, an electronic registration system requires a certain level of computer skills and familiarity with financial terms that not all of our experts have. It can be extremely challenging for those who've experienced trafficking or other kinds of financial abuse to get a bank account at all, which is required to receive direct deposit. Additionally, a time delay between work and compensation especially if the timeline for payment isn't always clear or consistent, can add significant stress for someone who's relying on that specific payment. We were really lucky and really grateful that we received feedback from our experts about the ways that aspects of our process were challenging. And we made some significant efforts to shift our processes throughout the project to address those. So how did you change your process? First, we met with our accounting staff to make them aware of these considerations that they are often not thinking through as part of their roles and determine what aspects of the process had to be maintained and then where there was flexibility. We were able to work with accounting to create alternative processes that bypass the electronic setup system. And then for those aspects that we couldn't change, we focused on increasing choice and transparency for our expert consultants. We offered four different payment options going forward that included direct deposit, check, and then two different gift card options. We provided detailed explanations of the timing, potential benefits, and drawbacks of those different options. And then our expert consultants were able to choose the type of payment that best fit their individual needs. And what recommendations do you have for other organizations working with survivors of trafficking related to compensation? As we previously noted, always compensate the experts with lived experience that you're working with for their time and significant expertise. The National Survivor Network provides guidance on appropriate compensation levels for different types of work as a starting place if you're looking for one. With all aspects of the consulting, employment, or payment processes, work to center transparency and choice for the expert. First, ensure you understand all the steps of those processes. I know I have not always understood every step at the places where I've worked, but this will help your team both identify potential barriers and also be able to explain all those steps to the experts that you're working with. Don't assume knowledge of employment or payment processes because it's critical to make sure expectations are clear for all parties involved. Whenever possible, provide flexibility and options for payment methods especially options that might allow for more rapid payments than traditional invoicing processes. No matter what, it's important to be very explicit about when payment will be received. Not receiving income as a result or when they expected can also be re-triggering for some people who may have experienced economic insecurity, trafficking, or economic abuse in the past. Throughout your work together, identify specific contact people or a person for experts to reach out to if they have questions or concerns with payment processes and build in explicit opportunities for experts to provide feedback on this. 
This will help empower the experts to engage with you and your team if the process is not working as expected. So where does the project stand now? What's next? So we've wrapped up our final meeting making sessions with experts, and we're currently revising the guide. This guide will be for human trafficking service providers who are thinking about offering economic empowerment program or are looking to improve their current economic empowerment program. This guide will be released by our client, the Administration for Children and Families Office of Planning Research and Evaluation and Office on Trafficking in Persons in the late fall or winter. And in the meantime, where can listeners learn more about the work you're doing related to economic empowerment? To learn more about this study and other projects we're conducting as part of the Human Trafficking Policy and Research Analysis Project, you can visit www.rti.org slash impact slash human dash trafficking dash policy dash research dash analysis. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure discussing your important work on trafficking today. Thanks for taking the time to share what you're learning with us. We really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and follow Just Science on your platform of choice. For more information on today's topic and additional resources, you can find the link on the landing page for this episode. I'm Rebecca Pfeffer, and this has been another episode of Just Science. Next week, Just Science will sit down with Kelly Barrick, Rebecca Pfeffer, and Natasha Aranguren to discuss estimating the prevalence of labor trafficking among construction workers in Houston, Texas. Opinions or points of views expressed in this podcast represent a consensus of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of its funding. 